Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, this is Nadine Dietz, host of CMO Moves. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thanks so much for stopping by today and to give you a quick overview on what to expect. CMO Moves is all about game-changing leaders, their incredible journeys, the moves that they've made, and most importantly, their personal stories of how they got to be the leaders of some of the world's most exciting brands. I hope you'll enjoy their stories as much as I do and take away a few tips and some inspiration for your day. Enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to CMO Moves. Today, I have the great pleasure of talking with Lynn Bigger, who is the Chief Marketing and Communications Officer at Visa. Lynn, hi, and welcome to the show. Nadine, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. I'm so pleased you could join me today. Um, I thought let's kick off with just a, a quick description on what your current role is at Visa and uh, why you decided to take that on. Sure. So I am, as you said, the Chief Marketing and Communications Officer. And under that purview, I lead all of our global efforts driving our brand, our marketing, client and customer engagement, brand positioning, obviously all of our iconic sponsorships, the management and activation of them, media strategy, data and insights, and then obviously our internal and external communications. So it's a role that keeps me super busy and I love every minute of it. To answer your question about um, why I decided to take on this role, you know, Visa is such an incredible brand, so powerful, so iconic, and yet lives in an industry that is so dynamic and fast changing. And I had been in the financial services industry for most of my career. I took a, a brief turn into media and I was looking to move back into financial services. And what attracted me about Visa was just how much the company is starting from an incredible position of strength, although is very humble and is very focused on the future evolution of payments. And I felt like there was an incredible opportunity to make a difference. Visa, while is this incredible brand, is actually a relatively new company. Um, the brand is 60 years old, but the company IPO'd just 10 years ago. We actually celebrated our 10th anniversary last month in March from the IPO. So, And we just integrated with Visa Europe almost two years ago. So we are young and we act young, and yet it's a great opportunity to shape the future of payments on a global scale. Wow. When you describe all the things that you're responsible for and how you're growing, can you give me just a general idea of what your team looks like? Sure. I have five, we have five regions, and so I have five marketing experts who 
uh, look after each one of those regions and report to me. I have a head of communications that reports to me. And then I have several individuals who focus on things that relate to work we do globally. So whether it's global brand, whether it's sponsorships, whether it's data and insights and how we think about those globally building our marketing tech stack, our agency relationships on a global level. So we are kind of the quintessential global local organization thinking about things globally where they make sense to drive efficiencies and effectiveness and then pushing a lot out actually into regions and markets where the local expertise lies. Okay, thanks for that. Uh, Very helpful. Um, So you mentioned that you'd been in financial services, went into media, came back into financial services. When you first set out in your career, did you actually want to be in marketing and did you ever think you'd be a CFO? Um, I always actually was very focused on consumer facing insights and data and analytics. If, if somebody always asks, asks me to describe myself, I always say I'm a business major with a marketing minor. I grew up in roles where I mostly managed P&Ls um, or managed really big chunks of businesses and didn't come up through the traditional ranks of brand or agency. But my aspiration really has always been to drive outcomes for consumer brands. A CMO is one amazing way to do that. I've, I've had lots of different ways to do that, but I'm, I'm loving this way. So in answering your question, I didn't ever think I wouldn't become a CMO, but my path to becoming the CMO visa has been, I think, a relatively unique one. So that is fascinating. Let's talk a little bit about that path. What do you think were sort of your key decision points or standout moments along the way? One of the biggest decisions I made, oddly enough, and this is going a little bit back in time, was moving to New York. So I grew up in Los Angeles. I went to college in Northern California. I, my whole family for four generations has been California focused. And when I decided I was going to go get an MBA, I decided I was going to do it in New York. Every time I'd been to New York, I was fascinated by the energy of the place, the spirit of the place, the opportunity of the place, and decided I would kill two birds with one stone by coming to New York and getting the graduate degree. And that really, believe it or not, as much as any job I've had or role I've had within a company has shaped the opportunities that I've had and the things that I've done. My family still is wondering when I'm going to come back to California, although I won't tell you how old I am, but I've lived more than half my life, well more than half my life in New York, now than California. Being now working at Visa in a company that's based in in the Bay Area is almost the best of both worlds. So that's a nice outcome of this situation. But what also led me here was a willingness, I think I've always had in my career, to take on big new challenges that test me and put me outside my comfort zone. I've always looked for roles where I have some familiarity with the content. There's some rooting and grounding. So I know that I can nail certain parts of the job. I know I can make a difference, but that there's new parts that are going to be developmental for me, but also where I can potentially bring some new thinking to the company. So those are really some of the decision points I've, I've made was finding my way to New York, getting an MBA, and then finding my way to American Express, where I spent over 20 years, and then a willingness actually to to try new things in ways that are helpful for the company I'm working for and also developmental for me. Okay, so 
obviously there are a lot of lessons that you can learn uh, from success, but often there are a lot of lessons you can learn from, I'll say failure. Have there been times in your life where maybe things didn't go quite the way you planned, but yet they led to something bigger and better for you? Uh, yes, of course. I'm sure we all have those times in our lives. I'm a big believer though in no regrets and learn from your mistakes and move forward. I would say the thing that comes to mind, I had a, a wonderful 20 plus year career at American Express and learned a, an incredible amount in that organization. I had a lot of really wonderful opportunities there. There was one role I had there though that I selected that I realized once I got into it that I, I, I wasn't in love with. And it took me a while to figure out what the components of it were that were not that attractive to me. It was a global role, which I had been excited about. It had a big remit, which I'd been excited about. But I realized what it was missing was a, a closeness to the customer. I had been in, only been in roles up to that point where I was extremely close to the end user of the American Express product. This one was a little bit of a background kind of role. And I realized how much I missed it. And then the second thing was it was... Um, it was not kind of in the core of what everybody at the company was talking about at the time. And I'd been used to being in roles that had been really front and center in terms of what outcomes were happening. It was more of a developmental infrastructure, developmental role. And I realized I missed being closer to the flame. So I don't regret for a second, though, having taking that role because I learned a tremendous amount and it was a springboard to the next role. And it also helped me appreciate what to look for in future opportunities because I had identified a few things that I didn't love so much. So really having had that experience was probably one of the best experiences I had because it, it got me more focused in the future on things to look for and things to watch out for. So you're talking about recognizing that that wasn't your passion. So let's talk about what is your passion? What do you love about being a CMO? I I love everything about being a CMO, but I would say the thing the things I love the most are one is the opportunity to make an impact on a global scale. Obviously, the platform that Visa has as a ubiquitous and omnipresent global brand is really, really terrific. And the assets that we have to do that through, whether it's our own activities or the partnerships that we have with some of the most iconic sponsorship assets out there in the world is really amazing. The other thing I love is, as we, we touched on this earlier, is finding the right balance of global and local. One thing that is very true about our business is that there are a lot of market by market nuances that are super complex, that no one person sitting in, in a global headquarters, no matter where that global headquarters is, could possibly know all those details. We operate in over uh, 200 markets around the world, virtually every market where the U.S. is allowed to operate, we visa operate. So keeping track of all of that is impossible. At the same time, we need to make sure that visa is visa, no matter where consumers go. Um, and also that we show up the same for many of our clients who are multi-market in nature. So finding that right balance is, is something that is as much art and as, as science. And I love finding the path there. The other thing I'd say is, is just really balancing the emotional and the rational. I am a very data-driven person and the roles that I've had in my past before Visa and at Visa have been more performance marketing driven than brand marketing driven. So that is very comfortable ground for me. However, it's so important 
for brands to build an emotional relationship with their end customer base, whether it's a B2B customer base or a B2C customer base. So finding that right balance of art and science and emotional and rational is key. And then the other thing I'd, I'd say is, is what I love is just working with the amazing people I work with within the marketing communications team here, but also my colleagues across other organizations who are uh, forward-leaning, outcome-oriented, inspirational, global in their approach, and um, really appreciative of the great work that this team does in support of their businesses and the Visa brand. Okay, so you just touched on so many things. Uh, I don't even know where to go next because I want to ask you a million questions, but let's see if I can uh, hone it in here. So I'm curious, you said you're in 200 markets. And as you said, you can't be in all places at the same time and know everything that's going on. So how, how do you think about that massive scale? Are you just on an airplane every day or you actually understand what's going on in all those markets? So I'm not on a plane every day, although it certainly seems sometimes like I am, definitely every week. And I've, I've just learned in the course of my career and in my time at Visa that with all of the amazing technology we have to connect ourselves, there really is no better way to understand what's going on than to go and see. So I've spent a fair amount of time doing that. In the end, what it really comes down to, though, is something I touched on before, is hiring great people being clear on what the ground rules are and giving them the freedom to shine and to build on what we have determined are global priorities, but with the right amount of kind of regional and market-specific context. Uh, Our competitive set is different market by market. Consumer trends towards payments are different market by market. And these are even in markets that share, you know, a thousand mile border. I mean, it really is quite amazing. Um, the the enablement of technology and payments is quite different market by market. The U.S. in many ways is actually quite far behind relative to some other markets. So there is a lot to learn by picking up, getting on a plane and going to the place you need to go. I've also, I have face-to-face leadership team meetings several times a year, and we always are going somewhere to a market where we can learn and spend some time kind of understanding what's happening in that market, which is usually not in the U.S., so that we all can benefit a little bit from the awareness of the global situation and payments. Okay, so I have still three outstanding questions in my head that I'm going to try to remember, but I, I, I want to key in on something that you just said, which was uh, talking about your teams. And um, I couldn't agree more. You're, you're only as great as your teams. So how do you think about attracting and retaining the right talent for your teams and the skill sets that you look for and try to develop in your teams? I have to say, I'm, I feel very fortunate because when you have a brand as powerful as the Visa brand and some of the platforms that we get to mold and shape, it's not too tough to get amazing talent to come and want to work at Visa. I would, I would compliment that by saying about a year ago, we did two things that I think are also really helping us attract great talent. One is we rewrote and rethought our mission statement, um, which has a a much more compelling call to action in it, which is to enable individuals, businesses, and economies to thrive, which is really how we think about our role and what we're trying to do from a global perspective. And I think marrying the day-to-day work we do with that more medium and long-term 
vision and, and thought is really impactful for a lot of people who come work with us and for us. And then lastly, we actually launched a whole new leadership approach across Visa with six new leadership principles that are really showing us the way that we lead, the way that we work with each other, the way that we collaborate effectively, and very importantly, how we excel with partners. And really the package of all of those things and the opportunity that we have to bring financial access to hundreds of millions of people, which is our commitment, is something that we find is actually quite powerful when we are trying to lure amazing people to work with us at Visa. Okay, so that's really interesting. You mentioned you have six new leadership principles. How did you actually go about determining what those would be? We had a CEO change in November of 2016. And uh, when he joined us, he is uh, Al Kelly. He's an amazing individual. And he is very focused on people as part of his role and job. And one of the things I think we all felt like we were missing, we have a, a great set of company values, but we were missing a little bit of the secret sauce of how we work with each other and how we inspire each other and inspire our partners. So literally a group of 10 of us who all volunteered from the executive committee or the operating committee of Visa in very short order got together in a room and in two days banged out what we thought should be the leadership principles, did a lot of pressure testing of them with colleagues, with folks across the organization at all levels of uh, tenure and age and globally and really honed in on them. I think it took us maybe two or three weeks and things like that in other companies can take months and years. I think the reason why we were able to do it so quickly was just that we were all really aligned and we all felt very passionate about what we were doing. And we were all, when it came down to it, very aligned and where we thought we should go. And the organization was ready for thinking about life at Visa this way. So it was a great group of people to work with. And we, you know, we just said, we're not coming out of this room until we have something that we can share. And we committed to it and, and we made it happen. That's a great story. And kudos for getting that done in such a short period of time. It takes some companies years to figure that out. So um, that's amazing. So I'm going to go backwards a little bit because I still have a bunch of questions for you that I'm just curious on. You were talking about the future and the critical things that you have to have in mind uh, when you think about the path forward. What are some of the things that you're seeing right now that you feel are major opportunities based on the fact that you have this global perspective? Well, in our industry, there's, believe it or not, $17 trillion worth of spending on cash and checks that is not yet electronified or digitized. In 2016, uh, that was the first year that electronic payments actually were greater than cash payments. And that was a bit of a watershed year, I think, you know, where we realized how much the pace of change is, is happening. Some of that is based on just the rise of e-commerce, but a lot of it is based on new technology that's out there and available for simpler payments and for enabling local businesses and small businesses, as an example, to accept payments and really building beyond what we think of today as a, as a traditional kind of point of sale by 2020, there's going to be something like 21 billion or over 20 billion internet connected devices. Each one of those could end up being 
a way to make or receive payments. So um, there is so much activity going on. And as I said earlier, we are in the U.S. actually not terribly far along in terms of our payments infrastructure relative to some other markets. So it's very exciting times. Things are changing rapidly. Visa, as I said before, is sitting in a really advantageous spot. And yet we're certainly not resting easy by any stretch on the opportunity we have and the job to be done to enable that $17 trillion to be cashless. So it's it's an incredible job that you have because it requires so many different skill sets coming together. How do you continue to develop yourself and think about your role as CMO, the, the kinds of things that you have to do to make sure that you're always leading with the future in mind? I try to stay as outwardly focused as I can. Listening to your podcast is a, is a great example. I've listened <laughs> to, to many of them uh, and many of my colleagues. And from each one of your podcasts, I take away something that I can go back to my team or I can personally think about. I'm involved with a number of marketing organizations outside of Visa that also are inspiration and spark new ideas and give me opportunities to, to talk to my peers or other experts in the field or other fields who just have new and interesting ideas. I'm a, I'm a consumer of media, so I'm always looking and seeing what other brands and other companies are doing. And I look forward to the day that I could actually read a book that was something not related to work because I find I have so much to read and learn and do and absorb that is related to this exciting space of payments that we're in, that it kind of consumes all one's time. So I, I also rely on my team quite a bit and others around Visa who are experts in things I will never be an expert in to help and support and guide and illuminate and, and offer suggestions and advice on ideas and thoughts. It's a bit of a 24-7 set of activities, but I wouldn't have it any other way, really. Yeah. So, and that's interesting. I'm so glad to hear you talk about others that inspire you. Is there anybody in your path you could point to and say, well, that person really taught me something that was instrumental, or maybe you had a formal mentorship program or anything like that along the way? I've had a number of different mentors along the way, um, most of whom I have actually cultivated and sought out and built relationships with. Folks I've worked for in the past, I stay in touch with a lot of folks I've worked with in the past who I just admire for some of their accomplishments and and have a different way of thinking than I do or have different kinds of roles now where they're experiencing different things and I'm learning from what they're learning. I, I had a grandfather who was just an incredible man. He was at a time where this was not easy to do. He was very well traveled. He was incredibly involved in his community and giving back. He was a wonderful father to my father and a wonderful grandfather to me. He had a lot of really great insights and built a business from the ground up. And he is somebody on a personal level that I've always admired and feel like my, I hopefully if a little bit of that gene pool could come to me, I would be very appreciative because he was really an an outstanding man and incredibly kind and generous with his time and with his resources. So he is, uh, he's the one of all the people I know in my family, I would say is somebody I always think about as I hope I'm living up to his expectations. Oh, well, I'm sure you are. I, you definitely both have the well-traveled part down for sure. Um, 
So let's talk about breaking some rules. Were there any times in your career where you said, you know, this is just not right. To break through, we need to do X. Of course. Um, there are always those times. I found that though the best way to do it is in a fact-driven way. So you can bring people along with you when you feel like that's the right thing to do. Um, we just launched, as you, you might've seen in the last six months or so, some new sound-related branding. And that is something that remains a work in progress, but it's also something that I felt very passionately that we needed to do as we think about how points of sale and brands will evolve over time. And we actually featured that sound branding in our Olympics work for the most recently passed Pyeongchang Olympics. And we're really excited about it. We're working with a lot of internal and external partners to continue to progress it. It took a lot of research, a lot of understanding internally uh, as to why this was important. And it continues to be um, something that we work very closely with our internal and our external colleagues to progress. Another was actually in building our new brand identity, which we've done in the time that I've been here. When I, when I got here, I observed that we really needed to unite Visa with one integrated theme. We, we, if you took the way Visa was showing up in a number of different markets around the world, there was a commonality in our logo, but there, there oftentimes wasn't as much commonality as there needed to be in how we presented ourselves and the, the spirit with which we presented ourselves. So we've worked on that quite a bit over the last two years and are continuing to do that. And you've seen that out in the marketplace. And then in the past, in, in former roles, I've had a number of significant initiatives and projects that I've worked on that I believe I was asked to work on them because folks were looking for somebody who wasn't totally feeling like they needed to kind of stay with the status quo and needed some new thinking and actually to, to break through and drive a different outcome than the outcomes that were being driven. And I'm, I'm proud of those opportunities that I was given and the work that I did in order to drive new outcomes. Sounds like you have a, a special talent to be able to stay above the clouds and see through things, which is fantastic. Is that something that's a natural gift or did you have to work on something to be able to suss out the situations? I think it's probably a little bit of both, honestly. I'm not sure I'm any more special than anyone else. I think sometimes it's just having some experience and also over time really understanding the questions to ask to try to suss out if you believe that things are going in the right direction or not. And I think that's something as I've had a variety of experiences that I've had in the course of my very long now career that I feel like I've learned and it's an important skill I would tell anybody to learn. It's just know what questions to ask to understand if you believe that the direction that something is going in is the right direction. It's super important, particularly when you have a large team. You can't be, you're not with everybody every day. You're geographically remote. You're halfway around the world from someone. Um, but knowing what questions to ask to believe, yes, that's on track or mm, that might not be on track is really critical. That's really great advice. And we are coming close to the end of our podcast. So I'd like to open it up to you to share anything in the world that you'd like to share, whether it be success tips or critical success factors, anything that you think might help someone who's listening who 
wants to continue to grow in their own career? I would probably say two things, um, one work-related and one more personally related, but they both could be either. I have a, a bit of a mantra that is something like, don't do something today just because you did it yesterday and it worked. Do it because it's the right thing to do for today and tomorrow. And when we're thinking about our strategies within my team here at Visa, we always think about it that way. Uh, we might be wedded to an idea because it's something we've done a bunch of times, and it, it, it was fantastic, but it doesn't mean it's the best thing to do going forward. So really challenging, I think, your thinking and thinking forward and, and looking forward is really important. And then the other thing I would say is just keep your mind open. It's, it's very easy to get in a routine and to, and to start to kind of tread on the same ground over and over again. But I have a a mantra that I live by personally, which is just that we go forward from here, that really everything I've done to this date has been foundation for what I can do going forward from here for visa, for my friends, for my family, for my career. Really, it's, it's, the, it's the future that matters. So face into it, enjoy it and um, have a good time. All right. Great advice. So my last question is if you could be anything in the world other than being a CMO, what would it be? I, that's an easy one for me because I, uh, you picked up on it. I have an incredible passion for travel. It's what I love to do when I'm not working. And the great thing is now I get to do it while I'm working too. But I would do one of two things. Um, I would be either the CEO of a travel adventure travel company personally delivering amazing travel experiences to folks who would love to do that kind of thing. Or, and maybe this could be an and, you never know, I would be a National Geographic photographer because I love photography. I love being out in nature and um, there's nothing that marries that better than that job, which I've always wanted to do for the last 30 years. So maybe someday National Geographic will hire me. Well, maybe they will. Maybe they're listening right now and they might just give you a call here soon. Uh, I sure hope they do. But uh, unfortunately, uh, we are out of time, Lynn. But thank you so, so much for taking time out of your day to join me. I have so appreciated having you here. Thank you. This was great. I really appreciate it. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality.